you have one shot, one opportunity. Do not miss your chance to blow. Opportunity <laughs> comes once in a lifetime, yo. <laughs> they know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast. We're your host, Curtin Dillon, and it is race week again, man. We got the Formula One Roadshow coming back to North America, which is exciting. Stop. A quick stop, and then it's back across the pond. But I, I love it because an afternoon race, get to drink a beer, yes. watch qualifying on Saturday, drink a beer, watch the race on Sunday. Drink a couple of beers and watch the race on Sunday. Be completely worthless the Ooh. rest of the time. That's my wife's problem, not mine. There you go. Exactly. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so as the build-up for the Canadian Grand Prix, uh, we wanted to hop on today and discuss uh, an instance or a circumstance that happened in 2019 between Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton when Sebastian Vettel kind of went off or went off and kind of unjustly, well, in his eyes, unjustly lost the the victory. So we'll get into that. But although we didn't have any Formula One racing this past weekend, we did get to see a ton of F1 drivers racing with the 100th anniversary of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, so we kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because we had, I think, 18 Formula One drivers in the race. Um, There's kind of ranging. Ton. Yeah. And we got to see Ferrari get a victory. And it was which... the first time Ferrari's <laughs> been back into Le Mans and endurance racing in 50 years, 50 years. And they have a flawless victory. And the funny thing is, is I saw a video Charlotte Claire posted. He was in the garage <laughs> watching Ferrari put off a flawless victory, 24 hours with no strategy blunders. Watching the <laughs> 24 just... hours of strategy calls across four classes of cars <laughs> in a single race. Perfect. Oh, he's just like, oh my God. And I was thinking though, if the Formula One team is not trying to poach some of those dudes from uh, the Le Mans team, like they're they have to yeah. they need to be getting some of those people to do what they did is incredible and if they're not trying to get some of those people then there's no hope for that team anymore no it, it yeah it, i got nothing it, it's they have to it's ridiculous i'm the only thing i can think about is you know maybe there's not a whole lot of tire choices at le mans and that's why they didn't screw it up you know <laughs> ferrari's like let's go into a race where we don't have to choose any tires it's just one tire. We just have to pit to we'll put fuel in, change the one tire <laughs> out, and change the driver. What could possibly go wrong? What Apparently nothing. Wrong? Yeah, right? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And then, you know, I don't know about you, but I really don't watch many other racing series. Like, no, I, I want to get into Indy, but you know, I, I don't really watch many other. Yeah, I don't so either. Was, like, I was... I was laughing. I was like, I know like Le Mans seems really simple. It's a 24 hour endurance race. I've watched Ford versus Ferrari. Great movie. Like, you know, how complex can it be? Turns out it is like really complex with multiple classes of cars and the qualifying session is by class and doesn't really correlate. And, you know, you have a NASCAR Camaro just shoved in there for <laughs> shits and grins, I guess, to see what Americans can do. <laughs> like, Which, by the way, that was the highlight of the weekend. Every time I turned something on, it was to check and see how that car was doing, which we'll get into that because that was super exciting. The best thing about it to me was you have all these hypercars, GTE cars. They're all European. They're all v smaller V6, V8s, you know, turning 9, 10,000 RPM. And then you switch to the Camaro, a 6.2 liter supercharged V8 
turn in 6,000 RPMs of just noise. You're like, good That's God. what everybody commented on. It was like you knew when that car was coming down the straight, just that small block Chevy just rumbling down. Small block Chevy, bigger than every other yeah. like, <laughs> V8 out there. They're like, it's a small block push rise. Like, that thing is incredible. Incredible. Um, but on the, eight, on the 18 Formula One drivers, we got to see everything from, for one, first off, let's start with Jack Aiken who I don't know if you remember him. He was a reserve driver for Williams. He stood in when George Russell got called up to Mercedes yep. for that one race. Jack Aiken, less than two minutes into a 24-hour race, puts it into the wall. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> destroys the car. They had to come in and basically rebuild the front of the car, which is pretty cool because you're allowed to do that in, yeah. in this series. How about uh, but I just Jack thought- Aiken? Let's talk about Antonio Giovinazzi. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Who I always said Antonio Giovinazzi to me was the most forgettable man in Formula <laughs> One. Like whenever he was at Alfa Romeo, he was just kind of there. He never did anything. And I know Ferrari wanted him to be like the next Italian stallion and bring him up well, to the main team. He but. is, but apparently it's endurance. He's the most forgettable man in F1 and his name is in the record books in Le Mans. Yep. Good for him. And that's another thing, too. I think it shows kind of it highlights the caliber of Formula One drivers. Yes, because you can be in Formula One and be somebody who's completely forgettable. And then you drop down or go to a different series and you're like one of the best. Yeah. Roman Grosjean, he, he's done the same thing in IndyCar. Yep. Um, so it just shows like Pietro Fittipaldi kind of remember yeah. his name, the Haas driver for two races and tested once, you know, he crushed it out there. Didn't yeah. wasn't even was nothing in formula one yeah it, it shows you know how good formula one drivers actually are um jensen button was another f1 driver he was in the camaro um, dude so jensen button that was an awesome lineup you had jensen button former world champion former monaco race winner then you got seven-time champion jimmy johnson and then mike rockenfeller who is uh I two-time, think a two-time winner yeah, so they had an all-star cast right there. Um, and that they said the scariest moment for them, and it's something I didn't even think about till I read it, was it started to rain at Le Mans when Jimmy Johnson was driving, and Jimmy Johnson is racing in the rain three times in his life. Oh, NASCAR no. doesn't race in the rain, and so they said that was a steep learning curve for Jimmy Johnson, which I never would have <laughs> like in a million years thought of that like yeah yeah i've I've never realized that either i didn't know they didn't race in the rain nope um should should we just should we finish up with the camaro because we keep talking about it can we can we finish let's do it it. like i said it's the most exciting part for me um i love this quote from rick hendrick that i'm pulling up from hendrickmotorsport.com because they were the sponsor of the camaro and nascar and i can't read this quote without having like a hardcore Southern NASCAR <laughs> accent attached to it. It's like, it makes me proud of the sport. The last thing I wanted to do is for us to come over here and fall on our nose. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> like, we didn't spare any expense. Our NASCAR teams can do any kind of race they want to do. I mean, they got the talent, they've got the engineers and they got a lot of smart people and they can do whatever. 
Like in my head, I was just reading it and that's exactly how it came out. And I was like, I have no idea how this guy talks, but in my mind, it's just Ricky Bobby the whole way through. Oh, that is hilarious. That's the most NASCAR thing I've ever heard. But it's true. They did it. They wanted to come out and prove that NASCAR was more than just left turns. They're like, hey, we can turn right too. And they did a damn good job. They did. To see that they out qualified all of the GTE cars. Blew them out of the water. Yeah. It was wild. And in the race, they were running uh, up at the front of the pack, basically, of them, even though they weren't competing with them because they're yeah. an experimental class. <clears throat> but they were running at the basically the front of the pack until they had a, a driveline issue that they had to come in and they fix. They blew the trans. Yeah, it took them over an hour to fix it, and they still finished the race in 39th place out of 62 entries. Yeah. After an hour-long And they stop, won their class. Wild. They, well, of course they did. <laughs> they were the only car in the class. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> but it was, and they won the hearts in my, or they won the hearts of the entire nation of France. They, I you mean, see the, the pit crew? When they, the pit crew even won the pit crew challenge, yeah. which is awesome. I mean, it, how can you not just fall in love with, you know, 650 horsepower, small block Chevy, just screaming freedom. All the of, pictures are hilarious where you see it, it almost looks like a safety car. Yeah. And then all the, the race cars behind it, the hyper cars and yeah. the, uh, the LMP two cars. It's just so massive. Huge. I'm sure like when that thing goes by, it's just like rumbling and shaking. Everybody's like, get out the way. They said, I've read a couple of quotes where people were talking about that. And then you watch from like the driver's eye view in that Camaro and they go through like a couple of the chicanes at low speed. So they're not really giving it much. And then they get to the straightaway and just 130 decibels instantly of takeoff. <laughs> like, um, they also, so of the, was it the GTE class that they were, that the Camaro was blowing out of the water? Yes. The GTE class was limited to 520 horsepower and the Camaro had 650. So it's also like not, you know, hit a True. 130 horsepower advantage. Like, right. Um, no, but I think that's impressive. And the 6.2 liter supercharger was largely a, their production. You know, they didn't have to do anything crazy to this engine and it lasted for 24 hours. Like, and I, it mm -hmm. last, did it say how many? I thought I had how it. Many? Oh, it did. I thought it, it, okay, yeah, I did. Miles. it did 2,413 miles. Jeez, that's wild to me to think of a car racing for that far and that yeah. long. And I, I did watch one of the videos with one of the engineers, and he was saying that it's the same engine that they use in their cup car. Mm -hmm. All they did was, what do you say, they removed uh, one of their, some limiter. They removed the limiter from it and allowed it to have a little bit more horsepower, lowered the max RPM to protect mm -hmm. the, the, the heads. And that was it, or the valve train, and that was it. Yep. Basically ran it there. It's just, it's cool to see, and I think it really does kind of highlight, you know, that NASCAR can do more than just what we're used to. Everybody's used to a bunch of toothless hillbillies drinking Budweiser and driving around in circles. Not Bud right? Light anymore, I doubt. Not, yeah, not anymore. Oof. But, you know, like now I would like to see, because I know they run at Coda. I don't and know, man. I've watched a couple of NASCAR tracks. races and I love the technical aspect of them. They're, they have so little downforce and they're driving so fast that they talk about it feels like driving on oil. Um, and they're that close to each other. Like I really, and I love that it's still a manual transmission. They were still carbureted until 2015. 
like the Ford engines were based on 1960 technology till 07. Like I love how raw and mechanical it is, but I just can't get into the racing. Yeah. There's too many intricacies and like races within the race. Yeah. It's just weird to me, but so there's a video you can find where Jimmy Johnson and uh, Fernando Alonso swapped cars Mm -hmm. in Bahrain a few years ago. And uh, that was uh, Alonso's main takeaway. He was like, you, the car has a ton of power, but there's no downforce and it just slides all over the place. Um, And Jimmy Johnson was like, he basically fell in love with open wheel cars. And I didn't realize he was actually trying to get into formula one. He was partnered up with Zach Brown, but uh, he couldn't meet the super license requirements. So then he decided to go into IndyCar. Um, And again, he said he just loves the open wheel aspect of it. I mean, I'm sure after driving a car that feels like you're driving on oil, getting in one of these open wheel cars that drives on rails is just insane. That was his big takeaway. He was like, the acceleration is, it's crazy, but it's not that much different than our cars. But he's like, the braking. He's like, when you hit the brakes, your vision starts to distort because of how fast the 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 negative Gs, I guess, that you're pulling when you brake. And uh, that would be incredible to experience that. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the winner. Uh, Ferrari won Le Mans in the hypercar class, which is the top class in they got they were on the hyper pole and they won the hyper class and it's a it's a whole lot of hybrids hype <laughs> you know whole thing so the car was a 499p the hyper so the ferrari 499p the car has it's a hybrid so it has an internal combustion engine that's based on their v6 twin turbo from the ferrari 296 gtb gto whatever the whichever the nomenclature is at the end but it's based on their production g9 296 um and then what i thought was interesting and why it relates to formula one is the electric engine was based on the formula one electric engine but it was completely separate from the internal combustion engine it's on the front axle it had its own battery and the only way it recharged that battery was during braking and deceleration otherwise it was completely separate from the internal combustion engine which i thought was kind of interesting and they were maxed out at 650 horsepower but that was the car that won it and they beat Toyota and Porsche. What? Um, and Porsche was expected if Porsche had won this weekend, it would have been their 20th win. And they are the most winning team in Le Mans history. Yeah. And I saw that by beating Toyota, they spoiled their, I believe five years in a row winning that race. And so they were able to stop that. It's weird seeing Toyota. Like I picture my mother-in-law's Toyota Highlander for taking the kids around. Like, as right. A race but then you car. also see like the, they talk about the Cadillac race theme and it's kind yeah. of like the same way. Very true. Um, you, it is weird seeing caddy in there too. Yeah. You, I, what, one thing I thought was interesting was the LMP two class, the winner there. Uh, they were from um, the Polish team uh, enter Europool. Mm-hmm. One of the drivers, Fabio Scherer, when he was getting out, he was hobbling around and I didn't realize, but they said he got hit by another car that night in the pit lane and broke either his ankle or his foot or both. And he still went out and continued to race <laughs> with He's like, it's my foot. left foot. I don't have, a, I don't need to hit the clutch <laughs> after being run over by a car, <laughs> which is why, cause with formula one, there's like so many, you know, controls and to see after Le Mans finished, 
all the stewards and everybody running out on the track and they're all like waving and like videoing with their cell phones and the cars are just going straight between them. Like they yeah. left only enough room for a car to go between. Like you would never see that on a formula one track. I think so it's dangerous. also super different and a different mentality. Like formula one, you have 23, 22 races this season to compete in. There's one Le Mans a year. Like yeah. you have one shot, one opportunity. Do not miss your chance to blow. <laughs> comes once in a lifetime, yo. <laughs> um, which it probably changes a lot of that stuff where you do get your foot run over and you're like, I cannot do this next year. Like it's now or never. <laughs> um, another crazy thing is Michael Fassbender was in a Porsche GT3 car or GTE, whatever it is. Who's that? Michael Fassbender. He's yeah. a really well-known actor. He was in a lot of the new X-Men's. Oh. Um, he's a German guy. He was in Inglorious Bastards. Awesome. Um, he, he's a really big actor. Um, that's crazy. I, he's, he's a race car driver, huh? He's a race car driver. And there's several quotes that he's like, before I ever got into acting, I wanted to race. And so he's been racing for Porsche in GT3 Pro-Am and some of those. And they sponsored him to be in the Le Mans this year in one of the GTE cars, which is like the third class, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to continue to move up and drive with Porsche. So I was like, that's kind that's of awesome. Cool. Yeah. The, the GTE cars are essentially road legal street cars. Like a lot of the Porsche GT threes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of all I got on it. On Le Mans. Well, it was interesting cool, to yeah, follow it, was, it. It was exciting. It was a long race. Definitely did not watch the whole thing. I clicked by every now and then. <laughs> It was, it was crazy to see, you know, the the mechanics just passed out in the garage, yeah. just all wrecked out. I didn't realize they do over 20 pit stops throughout the race, which is, you know, we're used to a two stop, maybe. And it's, I believe they're the NASCAR, I mean, normal style wheels where it's not single lug like Formula One is. Like you got five or six lug nuts on there. Yeah. Well, that was the other part that was interesting was how the Garage 56 car kept the nascar style pit crew so the one jack man and mm-hmm. they could have went up and done the pneumatic air jacks like everybody else but they wanted to keep true to the nascar style which is awesome that was, and then they to beat everybody in the pit uh pit stop challenge good for them it's pretty awesome uh I, i'm pretty i'm not a huge chevy camaro guy um but that, that was pretty cool it was a win for america it was a win for america hell yeah all win right well <laughs> Well, let's move on and talk about the home race of two of Formula One motorsport legends, uh, Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll. Um, <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, Nicholas Latifi decided to retire to give everybody else in the field a chance. So Lance Stroll is going to carry the pride of the nation on his very competent shoulders all by himself this weekend. <laughs> Can he handle the stress? Can he handle it? We'll find out. But so to build up to that, we wanted to revisit what happened in 2019 between Mr. Well, then it was Mr. Lewis Hamilton before he became a sir uh, and Sebastian Vettel. So this was the year he became a sir, though, because he was knighted, not for like other. You know, (laughs) he was he was a mister that's still technically a sir, but like he was actually sirred. He was officially given a knighthood. Um. But so this year was the first year we had Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. So he's a rookie. Uh, we had Carlos Sainz uh, was with McLaren. 
He was. Yep. That was weird um, seeing it was seeing all the same drivers in different Checo over at Racing Point and or Danny Force Rick India, was there, whatever Renault was that called. year. Yep. Um, and then we had uh Lewis Hamilton who was again leading the championship and even at this race which i want to say was like the seventh race of the season it was already clear that mercedes was going to run away with it this was back when they were in their most dominant um but it was interesting to see that in this race uh sebastian vettel was actually starting on pole with ferrari uh, lewis, with ferrari lewis hamilton was chasing him down and then you know they were going back and forth until lap 48 which is when the incident happened um, so in Canada, you've got that first chicane and around that part, it's actually really, after you get through the chicane, it's almost like uh, a street course where you've got the, the barrier right on the outside of the wall or on the outside of the track. So Lewis Hamilton was putting pressure on Sebastian Vettel and kind of forced the rare mistake and Seb went wide through the chicane. Um, the issue the grass. was, yep, through the grass. And then the issue came when he rejoined the track. And at this point, Lewis already had more speed he was trying to go around him and seb kind of squeezed him off to the side lewis it, had to back more out kind of yeah he, yeah. he, he straight up like <laughs> but lewis had to back out i mean there was it would have been a, a replay of what was that lance stroll and logan Sargent in monaco a couple weeks ago where lance just tried to put it in a spot where it did not fit yeah and so to avoid that lewis backed out and then or lewis wasn't... and george last weekend oh yeah lewis and george last weekend um, so then Sebastian Vettel went on to win the race, but lap 57, nine laps later is when they come over the radio and they're like, Hey, you've got a five second penalty for to Vettel. Yeah. The way you rejoin the track and Vettel immediately starts pleading his case. And was like, no, that's, that's not fair. I couldn't rejoin and the track safely. When they made that call, Lewis was 2.9 seconds behind Vettel. Right. And at, before that call, he had actually pulled a five-second gap on him, mm-hmm. and then Lewis caught up a little bit more. Um, but the most interesting part to me was after the race ended. This is when everything, the fireworks started. Because normally you pull all the way to the end, and you park. They've got the the placards there, P1, P2, P3. Sebastian Vettel parked it at the very front of the pit lane and immediately got out and ran up to see the stewards or the FIA. And the funny part was when they're doing all the commentators are like, is he boycotting the podium? <laughs> yeah. He just disappeared, which is, you know, he, you know, Sebastian Vettel, he's one of those where he knows the rules. He knows the insides and outs of formula one. He's been doing it long enough and he wasn't going to let that stand. Um, and, and on, on that point though, like I do kind of have to agree with Vettel a little bit. Like he went through the grass, hit the track, his grass are all over slick tires. He hit the gas and he slid across the track like, you know, I'm sure it was intentional. I don't think these drivers yeah. do, you know, anything without the, you know, the car doesn't just do that. They want it to do that. Right. So I'm sure it was intentional, but I don't know of how else he would have joined the track short of just conceding, you know, the position to Lewis. Right. Which um, is, I think what they wanted him to do, but yeah, he's a racer. He knows that Lewis is going to come up on the outside and he's going to shut that door. And he did. And, you know, Lewis was right on his ass the whole time and could have probably passed him. I don't, it's one of those, like, uh, it goes both ways. I can see where he yeah. gets a penalty, but you could have also chalked it up to a racing incident and said, Lewis, go get him. Like you're yeah. three, three tenths of a second off his back right now. Yeah. But for me, the highlight was just afterwards. And then 
when he leaves the stewards or the FIA uh, office, there's a cameraman that follows him. I just love how he immediately goes straight into the Mercedes garage and just like pushes through like he owns the place, just walking through bright red suit. All the Mercedes guys are like looking like, what the hell is he doing here? And then when he gets to the end of the pit lane, the famous part where he goes to walk into the cool down room and looks back and sees the cars there and goes and changes the P1 and P2 from in front of Lewis's car, puts the P2 there. That was just classic. And it, it gave us one of those endearing moments that we just have this awesome memory of Sebastian Vettel now because of that. It was pure theater. I'm sure he knew what he was doing at the time, but just to see that and all the clips that you'll see, I'm sure all weekend of this is incredible. And it's just great memories from Lewis or from uh, Sebastian Vettel. And it's funny because that was back when Vettel was like borderline, like bad, not like a bad driver. He was like the Darth Vader over there at Ferrari. He went from Red Bull, four consecutive world championships, dominance, you know, humble was awesome. And then he comes over to Ferrari and it's like the dark side and he does all of these theatrics and then he comes back over to Aston Martin and it's back to, Oh, we all love Seb. And it's like, there was some time in Formula One history, when Seb was not the crowd favorite in any way, yeah. shape, or form. People forget that. It's, it's just like Alonzo these days. Like, yeah. Alonzo's everybody's hero right now. But it wasn't long ago where he was parking it in the pits and preventing Lewis Hamilton from putting in a, a qualifying lap time and all these other crash gate and everything. And crash gate, yeah. Like, come on, Alonzo's, he's got a, a, a checkered past. Yes. <laughs> so did Vettel yes, as well. Yes, he does. Um and so that makes it fun. I'm excited for this weekend. I'm excited to do our prediction pod on Thursday and kind of get more into the nitty gritty of all of it. I think the Canadian Grand Prix generally delivers a, a good entertainment value. It is. It's a decent race. And I one that I hope to get to, you, you know, it's not that far from here. So maybe next year we can make it to that one. Yeah, it'd be fun. But let's go ahead and bet right now. Are we going to see Nicholas Latifi trackside this weekend or not? A hundred percent. Hundred <laughs> percent. The goat will so. be present. I'm sure the FIA is paying him to be present. Actually, <laughs> it's gonna be. They're gonna change it to the Nicholas Latifi <laughs> Canadian Grand Prix. You know that <laughs> that chicane where everyone always crashes at historically. It's like the same <laughs> one in Monaco. They need to name that chicane after Latifi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no, Lance Stroll put in the wall in the Latifi chicane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I'm excited. And uh, so we will be back bright and early on Thursday with our predictions pod. Um, If you like this podcast, make sure you leave us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. If it allows you to, please leave us a review and make sure you share this with a friend. Um, And other than that, I guess we'll see you back here on Thursday with the prediction pod. So on that note, stay classy, America. We'll see you next time.